Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. It is a complete privilege and honour to be with you in your home today. And uh, just a special shout out to um, the people who are gathering from the churches that Daz and I get to lead and have the privilege of leading up there in Gaira. Hello there. G'day to everyone from Armadale City Church, Bendy, uh, we love you, Tamworth, we miss you all, Gunnedah, can't wait to see your beautiful faces again, hope that you will, and over there on the coast, if you're watching in as well, uh, we love you, we can't wait to see you, and really from wherever you are, you are very welcome, and, and we're just grateful to be with you today. How's your week been? Are you going okay? You know, Daz and I have been praying for you every day. And, uh, and don't worry if you, if you feel a bit rocked, if you feel uh, like things are a bit displaced. That's okay. Don't feel like you're failing. Let's just come back and fix our eyes on Jesus because he is immovable. He is unshakable, as Daz has been talking about, and we'll talk about again tonight. Uh, he is the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He will finish what he started. Um, you know, our God does not change. He does not uh, shift. He, he doesn't change like shifting shadows. He remains the same. And so don't worry. Just come back. Be still this morning and fix your eyes on Jesus. You're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Uh, Good Friday is coming up, obviously. Today is Palm Sunday, though. Good Friday next week. Make sure you've got some food. Make sure, make sure you've got some drink. Uh, I remember that Daz and his brother, they started a church, and they always used to forget um, to get the communion, the grape juice, and so they would sometimes bum off the Baptists and other times they would uh, just get creaming soda and whatever they had on hand. So really whatever you have on hand, and let's face it, no one's even going to judge you if you use real wine on 9 o'clock in the morning on Good Friday for communion purposes. And so uh, we're going to celebrate together everything that God has done. We're going to remember somberly the sacrifice that he gave, but remember also that it's a celebration of everything that he's done. But right now we're in Palm Sunday. And I want to speak to you about Palm Sunday, so let's pray as we head in. Heavenly Father, we just steal ourselves before you right now. We just quiet ourselves before you. Lord, help us not to be distracted, even though there's many things that we could be doing in our homes right now. Lord, let us remember that we are the church and, and that we are, uh, you have asked us to gather together and to not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. So right now, Lord, we gather together separately in our lounge rooms, but together in spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would just steal ourselves before you and listen to your word. And I pray that it would be your word that is remembered this morning and that you would bring revelation and truth from your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So church, put down your phones, unless you're watching on your phone, then keep your phone, but put down every distraction, grab your journal, grab your Bible, grab a pen, and let's, uh, let's go for it. My kids are at home this morning uh, because of the new restrictions. I don't know if you heard anything of what I just said. <laughs> they did, great. Um, my kids are at home because of the new restrictions. Kids, you know I told you to take notes, you better take notes. And so let's get stuck into this. If my kids are taking notes, you should as well. <laughs> okay. Well, I love history. If you know me at all, you know that I love history, and I partly blame my mum for it. Uh, she brought me up on period movies, and I know that some of you don't like history. You could care less about history. And, you know, one of the Coleman brothers asked me one time, what's a period movie? Is that where all the females get angry and snappy at each other? But no, a period of history uh, is a period movie. And, um, and, and I loved them. I was brought up on them, and it was so great. Um, and actually it's helped me in this current crisis because mum brought us up on movies about people who went through incredible hardship 
And so I've even been able to, in the current crisis, look around and go, okay, uh, things are bad. Um, they're not as bad for me as what mum brought me up on with the movies. But I also love reading, and, uh, and so I always love historical fiction as well. Which leads me to this morning talking about a series that I read, an emperor series by the author Con Ulden. And uh, I probably mispronounced his name, but he's probably not watching, as he is a non-Christian author. Okay, I want to just put that out there in case you go to read that. This is no Francine Rivers series. This is a non-Christian series about the Caesars and about the conquest of Caesar and how um, that all came about. And he describes in graphic terms the triumph of the Roman general uh, Gaius Marius. Gaius Marius. And it's described so fully and so amazingly that you actually feel like you're there on the streets of first century Rome. It is just phenomenal. I tried to find the book uh, so that I could quote from it this morning, but I buy books, I read them, and then I give them to Rotary Book Sale, and it's a horrible waste of money, but I can't borrow books because I can't think about where other people might have read them. And so I, I um, read this book. It's gone now. I don't know where it is. And, uh, and, and this book describes this triumph, Gaius Marius riding into the streets of Rome on a chariot drawn by four horses. Now, these triumphs are recorded in history. They're thrown for Roman generals after they have um, had a, a, a good conquest. And in this case, writing about it, he'd just conquered West Africa. And he's riding into the streets of Rome. And there's a slave next to him on the chariot with a, holding a gold crown above his head. And uh, there's people swinging incense along the streets um, in offering to the god Jupiter, the god of war. And in front of the chariot are all the captives, that they've ta- all the people that they've taken captive and, and all the spoils of war in carts behind the captives. And then the, the, the Roman general in his regalia in a, a, a toga embroidered with gold and purple. And here he is and, 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 and he's, it's go- he's gone to great expense for this triumph. He's printed coins with his face stamped on them and tossing it out to the crowd and people are throwing bread out to the crowd. So, of course, the crowd are loving it because they know that their belly will be full that day and they have provision for another day and here they are going along. There are two white flawless oxen in the procession with garlands and, 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 and um, decorated because they are going to be slain when they get to Capitoline Hill uh, for the god Jupiter to thank him for their successful conquest. And then the army follows the four horse-drawn chariot and, and they're there and they're celebrating as well and, and they are the, the adoration of the crowd. There, there's been another conquest. Rome's fame has gone further and farther and, and this procession, this triumph is magnificent. There is the slave holding the gold crown above the um, general's head and he's whispering in the ear of the general, do not forget that you are but a man because this is a day that this man is like king for a day and he might forget that he's just a mortal because of all the adoration and adulation that is coming towards him. He might forget that he is just a man and begin to think that perhaps he is in some way divine and so he needs that man whispering next to him. So this triumph, you can see it on the streets of Rome, dancing, singing and later blood flowing from the oxen and and then the general at his expense would throw um, a lavish banquet, a lavish feast and all of it was to give glory to his name. Which leads me to uh, a Roman outpost, 2,403 kilometres from Rome. And something that we're going to look at today, which in all of our Bibles, in all of the Gospels, is called the triumphant entry. And we're going to read it today from John chapter 12, verse 1. John chapter 12, oh sorry, verse 12. And here we go. 
The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches, hence Palm Sunday, and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. A different kind of triumphant procession to the one that I just described from Gaius, Marius or any Roman general of that time. Completely different. And, you know, the Pharisees started to get worried and, and they were thinking, you know, you, calm down, calm down, calm down the crowd. But in fact, really, if this had have been a triumphant entry like we talked about, the Pharisees wouldn't have even needed to think about it. Pilate, the fifth procreator, procurator, of, of Jerusalem, of that area, he would have been all over it. If Jesus had have written it in on a four-horse-drawn chariot, if it had have been a true triumph like the ones he was used to from Rome, that, that would have been, it would have been squashed immediately. Pilate wasn't worried about this. The Romans weren't worried about this triumph. It was, it was nothing like a triumph, but it was a compelling contradiction to the triumph as we read about them. Let's look at this. Here is Jesus, you know, as we read all four gospel accounts of this triumphant entry, we get a more full picture. Jesus stops before he heads into Jerusalem and weeps over Jerusalem. He is concerned for the people of the city. He's not worried about what the people think of him. His heart is for them. He's not a general on a chariot thinking, yes, adore me, adore me. His heart breaks for them. He is on a donkey, a donkey. Like, just go ahead and hee-haw right now. The donkeys are hee-haw. Um, donkeys, they, they have this ridiculous um, nature. Like, look at them. You've seen Shrek. They're ridiculous. But here is Jesus on a donkey, not a horse-drawn chariot. What about the fact that people are waving palm branches that they've just hacked off off the side of the road and thrown their own coats down? There's no dancers. There's no incense swinging. There's no um, spoils of war and captives and armies supporting and coins and bread. No, it's this rudimentary, raw scene before us, which is quite fitting, actually, because it's totally upside down for a triumph. And Jesus came to establish a completely upside-down kingdom. And then he empowered disciples who then went and turned the whole world upside down. So if we're going to look at this upside-down triumph and the differences between this triumphant entry and the real triumphant entries of the day, then let's examine the differences so that we might examine the differences that we should have in our life as it relates to being part of this upside-down kingdom and establishing turning the world upside down as we live out our lives. And the first one this morning is heart, heart. Jesus stopped, it says, at the start of the, of the procession and he weeps over Jerusalem. And he says in, in uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 41, it says, 
As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he begins to speak of what's going to happen and what actually is fulfilled in AD 70, where the, the city will be ripped apart and many lives will be lost. He is utterly devastated at the desolation, not only that has occurred, but that is occurring previously at another time when he's at Jerusalem, or maybe the same time, at, at kind of the time gets a little bit away from us, but re- recorded in Luke 13, 34 and Matthew 23, 37, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets and kill those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather you under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks. He sees the desolation upon the people and the devastation that they are going through and his heart is towards them. This is completely different from the Roman general who is trying to win the hearts of the people to himself. Jesus' heart is for them. The Roman general hopes that their heart is for him. So as it relates to us in the upside-down kingdom, are we more concerned with people's hearts towards us or our heart for them? Do we look around us and hear a stat like I heard this morning of someone in New York dying every three minutes and does that just wreck us? Or are we only concerned about what's coming near to us? You see, heart in Aussie culture is multifaceted. Heart can refer to courage. You know, when Daz talks to our boy about playing football, it wouldn't matter if Locke lacked skill or agility or speed or playmaking skills as long as he's got heart. As long as he's got ticker is how Aussies express it. Because that's courage. Having courage to see what what will show up in the midst of tackling, in the midst of whatever it might be. Lockie could drop a ball and I'm like, oh no, because my heart feels for Lockie. But Daz is like, he he barely acknowledges it. But if Locke doesn't get up from a tackle and try to go again and have another run, then Daz is like, come on boy, where's your ticker? Courage. Heart is about courage. But heart is also about empathy. We say to each other, does he even have a heart? Like, we we want people to have empathy. We want people to be able to see and identify with the suffering that people are going through. Having a heart. Having a heart. So as part of the upside-down kingdom, is your heart for others? Do you have eyes to see the devastation that people are going through? Number two is humility. Humility. Let's think about that triumphator for a second. Humility. The fact that he would have that slave next to him reminding him that he was just a mortal. What a bizarre thing to have to be reminded of. But let's not forget that they're in the days of worshipping the Greek gods who in fact have, um, you know, relations with humans and, and have divinity and, uh, and, and actually become divine. Like it's all a bit weird. In fact, though, um, I was talking to my Year 5 Scripture class and I was doing a poll on whether or not they believed in God. And one of the questions was, uh, are you talking about Greek gods? And um, I was like, well, any god, really? And they're like, oh, yeah, we believe in Greek gods. Thank you, Percy Jackson, uh, for those who are familiar with those novels. Um, but, but whether or not we believe in um, the Greek gods or uh, like what they did, and so it was potential that they would have some kind of um, thinking that they would be other than mortal, you'd have to say that we have built up shrines to ourselves, that we have, in fact, built up shrines to ourselves. Spurgeon said this. He was talking about empires. He was talking in 1850 about empires, and he said, do you not hear Babylon's boastful soliloquy? And he quotes Isaiah 47, 
where she says, where Babylon says, I am and there is none beside me. I will not be a widow. I will not go through sickness or suffering. And there's this pride that Babylon has around who, uh, as an empire, they are. And that is not okay. And, and, and Spurgeon was talking about empires. We don't so much experience that, but we see it in Western culture and it takes a pandemic to show us just how fragile we are and just how useless the shrines that we've built up to ourselves are. He rides in Jesus on a donkey. He, he, humility to a T. Jesus not only rode into um, Jerusalem on a donkey, he rode into Bethlehem on a donkey as well, completely Completely humble, rode into his birth on a donkey in neutro, and then rode into his death on a donkey as well into Jerusalem. No horse-drawn chariot, a symbol of total humility at that stage. He himself proclaimed, I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Humility, humility. I was speaking to a friend, and, and he's a pastor, and uh, I said to him, are you worried? Are you Okay. Uh, and, you know, speaking really, what Daz talked about before, about the fact that um, giving is what provides food for the house of God and, and provides for the ministry. And it's always been set up that way and, and continues to be. And that just by virtue of people not meeting together, that perhaps giving would decrease and, and then not to mention people losing jobs and that giving might decrease. I said, how are you? Okay. And he said, oh, look, I've got enough qualifications that I could do a number of things. But in reality... Um, I just, I, I'd do anything. I'd do anything to provide for my family. And, and there was a humility of attitude that said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let this conquer me. I'm just going to be humble and suck it up and do whatever it takes. How are we, when it relates to humility, how are we going there? Our hearts to serve like Jesus talked about. You know, um, here in Tamworth, we had the uh, the episode of someone getting tasered because they were trying to take toilet paper. And I was at colour among uh, thousands of women at the time when it was mentioned and, and uh, you know, I didn't know whether to cheer or to hang my head in shame. Like, I was like, yeah, yay, Tamworth, no. Um, but, but their shows, like, what's shown to us in this is what we'll do if we're under stress, what we'll do. We might have a heart to serve and I could rattle off for the rest of the day amazing, beautiful, um, servant-hearted people from every location uh, of the churches that we have the privilege of, of leading. But under pressure, what does it look like? When there's one packet of toilet paper left, how do you go? When, when, when it comes down to, you know, I, I think about our healthcare professionals at the moment in terms of heart, my goodness, they're showing incredible courage and incredible empathy to put themselves in a position where they might be at risk. And, and if you're a healthcare professional in any way, we are praying for you, we love you, we're believing uh, that God will put a protective hedge around you. But what you're doing is phenomenal. What you're doing shows true heart, true empathy and true courage and service and humility as well. And so as it relates to humility, where, where are we on that? Like when we emerge from this, I, I think it's Daz that said this. I'm not sure if it's someone famous or Daz, the other famous person that I know. But I think Daz says um, we need to be willing to temper what's in our heart to champion what's in others. Is that you, Daz? Yes. What a wise man. And, and so when we emerge from this, Fine, all the immediate needs might go down, but will you be willing to serve and have that humility of heart to temper even what is in your own heart to champion what is in others? Heart, humility, 
And finally, Hosanna. Hosanna. There's a few um, Hebrew words that we say. One of them is amen. Uh, It means I agree. Um, A pastor that I knew tried to do away with amen because he thought that, you know, why are we still speaking Hebrew in church? And so he said, let's let's get two right up and moving. It didn't really take off, um, but you can start using it if you like after every prayer, two right. Um, it simply means I agree. And even outside the church, people are familiar with amen. They'll, yep, amen, I agree. It, it, it has a familiarity around it. Another Hebrew word that we use is hallelujah, which means uh, it, it's an exclamation of praise. And we sing the song, I raise a hallelujah. It's praising God above every circumstance. And uh, it's enabling us to um, put him where he belongs over everything that we're going through. Hallelujah. Uh, It's used outside the church. Leonard Cohen made it famous completely out of context. But, you know, why not? Let's sing today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't make me be the only one at the campfire singing. Hallelujah. Okay, I get it. I'm the only one. Okay, so so hallelujah is also used, but there's another word that is not used so much outside of church. Amen's outside of church. Hallelujah's outside of church. One that's primarily in church, but is a Hebrew word that we use is Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And uh, you, if you're new to church or you're just curious today and you're watching, you may not be familiar with it, but Hosanna in the highest. It's in heaps of songs that we sing. And it's in Psalm 118, verse 25. It says this. You see, in the Psalms, when Hosanna is used, it means please save. Save God, please. And here it is. It says, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. If we were to say that in Hebrew, we would say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of Israel. We bless you. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest is how we would say that. Hosanna. And that's what was proclaimed in Uh, on Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna. But by the time it got to the New Testament, this cry of acclamation of, of please save had now become salvation. Thank you. It had completely turned on its head. It was now no longer a cry out for salvation, but a cry of confidence from salvation. And that is where we actually stand today. Hosanna, Hosanna. Heart Humility and Hosanna. Hosanna should never be far from our lips, whether we're requiring it as a save, please, or a salvation, thank you. Hosanna should always be on our lips because it reminds us that we are not our own saviour, that we are never self-sufficient, but we need always to be acknowledging the saviour of all. Hosanna, Hosanna. One final scripture. This leads me to one final scripture this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. Paul speaking. But thank God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. This, Paul, is, he's a Roman citizen. He is all over the imagery of this triumphal procession. He would have seen triumphal processions. And here he is describing it, a triumphal procession. But the kicker, the difference is in who we identify with. You see, we do not identify with the Roman general on the chariot. Christ is the one who leads us in triumphal procession. We are the captives 
who are being, have been captivated by our Saviour. And we're being led along in the triumphant procession. You might say, but Brom, we're the victors. Why, why are we the captives? That, that's who was conquered. This is the compelling contradiction of the whole triumphal procession. It, it started with Jesus on his donkey saying, well, whatever, um, Roman generals, I've got a different kind of procession going on that was prophesied about 450 years ago in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And, and, and I've got a different thing going on here. And then made even more contradictory in Paul's writings where he says, we're being led along in this triumphant procession, but we are the captives in there. And our lives, it gives a message. We're not the people swaying incense. It's our lives that is sending off an aroma. And to some, it's the smell of life. And to some, it's the smell of death. Now, firstly, let me ask you the question, what smell is your life giving? Is it even the message that Jesus has asked us to be living does it have a heart for people? Is it the one where you see devastation and desolation and you see that in, in people and you're able to cry over people with a heart of empathy and also a heart of courage of, I've got to do something about this? And does that heart that's not about winning hearts but about hearts for people, does that lead you to humility? Well, you're not all glory to Bron, all glory to me, look what I've done, but instead you are riding on a donkey and you're riding through town is it humility that you have where you're willing to serve? Will you come not to be served, but to serve? Do you need to let everyone know about the letters after your name? Or do you just want to be known as who you are, servant of Christ and servant of other people? A heart that leads to humility, that leads to Hosanna, because I know that I could never save myself. I know that I have no chance of ever um, being the salvation of my own life. I need God. I either need him to save me right now or I'm crying with thanks and confidence from a position of being saved and having salvation. Heart, humility and Hosanna. Is your life portraying those things? Is that the aroma that's coming off it? And if so, let me tell you that it will be to some a beautiful, sweet-smelling savour. It'll be delightful. They will see the peace that you have. They will see the joy that you have. And they'll be like, tell me about that. I need to know. And then there'll be others that for whom, for them, it's the smell of death. So you've just got to expect that. They'll be like, what's the go with this fella? Like, he's always so confident. Like, who is he anyway? He's always so strong and blessed. What's the go with him? Or who's this chick? What, why does she always got to be happy? It will, will be to some the smell of death, so you have to expect that. You can never rely on the crowd to be with you. In fact, this crowd that's crying, Hosanna, this day in just a week will be crying out, crucify him in the courts. So we can't depend on the crowd. We can only depend about the aroma that our life is giving off and ensure that it's in line with the triumphant procession that Jesus had. So for us, what kind of aroma is your life giving? Is your lifestyle, your life message more reminiscent of the, of the triumph of the Roman general you, where you want to win hearts, where you want to show yourself to be awesome, where, where you want to be the be-all and end-all? Or are you recognising that without Jesus you're nothing? You have nothing, you are nothing, but with him all things are held together and you have peace and you have joy and you have life. Which is it for you? So I'm going to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, these two pictures of a triumph are completely contradictory. And Lord, that contradiction is compelling for us here this morning. Lord, you didn't come like a Roman general. You humbled yourself. 
And Lord, as we march towards the cross, Lord, we know that we see that more and more. You humbled yourself. You humbled yourself. Lord, we pray that we might be like you, that we would have a heart to see people in their suffering. Lord, that that would lead us to having humility and, Lord, knowing that we're just here to serve. And, Lord, that would lead us to having Hosanna on our lips. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to continue the conversation, but in just a moment, I just want to give you the opportunity to maybe um, decide to give your life to Jesus this morning. You know, Easter is one of the most compelling times of the Christian calendar, well, the most. But as we head into Easter, you could experience Easter like you've never experienced it before. You could experience it as someone who knows Jesus in a personal relationship, someone who has actually given their life to Jesus, someone for whose spirit has awakened to the truth of Jesus Christ. And today I want to give you that opportunity. If you're like, I don't know anything about Jesus, that's okay. If there's something in you that is like, yep, I just, this is compelling, I need to know more, I, I, I want to give my life to him, then this morning I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And what happens is that you um, decide not to go your own way anymore and you decide to go Jesus' way. And as a part of that, there's a peace that comes between you and God. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace that Christelle sang about this morning. And then there's a power because you receive the Holy Spirit and you receive power to live this life. And then also there's a promise for eternal life where no matter what, if the worst could happen, the worst as we think is death, well, actually that's no longer the worst thing because there's life that goes on forever. So I'm going to pray and, and you pray just in your own words and, and pray from your heart and receive Jesus this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us. Thank you for showing us how to live. And Lord, we receive what you did for us on the cross and, Lord, we decide that we will, Lord, become your ambassadors. Lord, we decide that we will be those who follow after you. Lord, we receive you and what you've done. Lord, we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that you are actually Lord, Lord Jesus. Thank you. We don't want to go our way anymore. We want to go your way. Help us to do it day after day after day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.